Depression, anxiety, and autoimmune symptoms after birth is not how it's supposed to be. There is a much better way, and I'm here to show you how to do just that. Hey, my friend, I'm Miranda Bauer, a mother to four kids and a biology student turned scientist obsessed with changing the world through postpartum care. Join us as we talk to mothers and the providers who serve them and getting evidence-based information that actually supports the mind, body, and soul in the years after birth. I want to say that this episode is so incredibly important and there are parts of it where it's a little bit difficult to hear. There's a little bit of static, but because of the level of significance, we decided to keep this episode and make sure that it gets out despite that. So if you bear with us on our little technical glitch here and there, it will go wonderful. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Postpartum University. Of course, I'm your host, Miranda Bauer, and I'm going to tell you, this is probably one of the most important episodes you will ever hear. I have a very special guest with you. Her name is Mary Yanagawa. She is a homeschooling and homesteading mama here in my hometown in Alaska, and she is a home birth midwife. She's got a private practice here called Valor Midwifery Services. And we actually started our journeys very, very similar in time, well over a decade ago. So after her own experiences in this mainstream medicalized system, she really sought out more education, more empowerment, more wholesome, holistic care. And she is very passionate about education, informed consent, all of these things, and fighting the coercion and some philosophies that are are a part of our society that we're facing on a regular basis. And she did some incredible work in advocacy here for midwives in the state of Alaska. And we need, we need to talk about what that is. Uh, and more importantly, how can we do this ourselves in our own state? So welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about how you started okay? and then fast forward to what you were able to accomplish just recently in the state of Alaska involving some incredible legislative changes and policy changes around women and, and women's health care and midwifery. Yes. Yes. So I um, am a mom of my oldest is 16. And so about 17 years ago, I was newly pregnant and pretty much just went with the flow of what normal, like what is known in our society, which is you go to an OB and you um, kind of get into the system of like typical obstetrical care um, where I would have five minute appointments with my doctor and that was it and didn't really get any education or anything about what is pregnancy, what is birth look like, what is postpartum look like and how can I best serve myself and my baby. So it took me three babies to realize that that was a really crappy system for me. And I had to do a lot of soul searching and shift my whole understanding of not only pregnancy and parenting, but um, like our whole life. And we um, kind of started that journey about 13 years ago. 
And then I had my boy uh, 10 years ago. It was his experience. Um, my pregnancy with him that got me interested in really pursuing um, birth work. So I became a childbirth educator and a doula and um, ultimately wanted to become a out-of-hospital midwife. Um, not because I had personally had an out-of-hospital birth experience. Unfortunately, I, I definitely tried. But once I had been in the system, I had all of these um, labels put upon me and also baggage within myself. That's a whole nother story. But um, so my experiences personally have really influenced how I care for women and families and how I um, practice as a midwife. I am very, very interested in autonomy and education and making sure that families understand all of their options and also understand that they have every right to refuse all of the options and I will support them no matter what. So Gorgeous. that's kind of my um, genesis story. <laughs> and then <laughs> um, I became, I, when I first started my birth work journey, um, I went through a traditional apprenticeship model, um, midwifery apprenticeship and became licensed in 2016. So it's been seven years since I got my, my own license to practice. Um, I was in a really busy high volume birth center. Um, so I was very busy, had lots of experience thrown my way, uh, like it or love it, like it or not. But in 2020, I um, branched out, left them, and became my own solo practice um, and focused on home birth. And what I have been able to do since really paring down my practice, my, my own midwifery practice, is be able to really discover myself as a person, as a mom, as a homeschooling mom, and a homesteader um, but also as a midwife, like what defines me and how do I practice? So that has been really beneficial for me. Um, now, fast forwarding for like what we're doing right now and why we are here having this interview. Um, in it was about three or four years ago, the state of Alaska, we have a uh, licensing body it's called the Board of Alaska Midwives. And the legislature or the legislative audit is who kind of oversees and makes recommendations from the state administrative level. And they told the board that we needed to update our regulate our statutes. So statutes is essentially the laws that we are governed by as licensed providers. What can we do? What can't we do? Um, how can we practice and have like standards um, within us, within our practice as professionals. Um, what are our criteria to be, obtain the license here in Alaska? In Alaska, we have licensed um, providers. We are, we have had certified direct entry midwives is what we're called for since the eighties and the midwives of, you know, four decades ago fought hard battles to get us recognition mm -hmm. and licensure. And we were one of the first states in America that recognized out of hospital midwives as, as healthcare providers. And they then fought, they fought to get us um, 
insurance coverage. So in the state of Alaska, we have every benefit of being able to provide insurance um, coverage for families with Alaska Medicaid, um, Blue Cross, all of all of the private insurances, um, which is not a benefit of all states. So many states, they you can have a licensed midwife attend your birth um, and care for you prenatally, but you have to pay out of pocket. So that is an expense that most families um, in the lower 48 experience. But in Alaska, we for the past 30 years have been able to have insurance coverage. So um, three or four years ago, the legislative audit said to the board, you guys have to update these statutes, modernize them, um, bring them up to the national standard, which has been a movement through the administrative government of Alaska for the past few years. They want to streamline administrative processes to save the state money, um, to save the, the oversight and all of that that goes into uh, professional licensing. So the board a couple of years ago began this process and um, in 2021, I think it was, yes, December of 2021, our um, professional organization called Midwives Association of Alaska, we needed a, a new president. And although I was not sitting on the board and hadn't really had that in my sights at all, um, I said, hey, I can probably like fill the role of a president of, you know, 35 midwives. I can do that. And um, I asked the former presidents, you know, what does that all entail? And it's pretty much like herding cats. You are overseeing the meetings once a month. You are making sure everybody is informed of everything and you're trying to bring people into the conversation. Most of the time we as midwives just get kind of get tunnel vision and we are practicing and busy and being a midwife is an all consuming profession anyways. And not everyone is really involved in their licensing like professional organization. So for me, that was a big thing. I had to like get everybody involved because um, I was told by the board that we had these big statutes that had to be passed. We had to update our statutes. So I was like, yeah, I can do that. I can get everybody rah, rah, rah. <laughs> I'm a people person. <laughs> and um, that was our big challenge last year was getting everybody kind of re- uh, interested in the conversation after all of this time of just kind of going with the flow and following the rules as they were written and not really questioning the rules. Um, so 30 years ago, little backstory, when our grandmothers of midwifery were fighting for licensure, they um, put us in a little bit of a box. And what they did was they said, you can have a midwife license but we don't really understand midwifery or trust midwifery or like anything. So we're going to um, have a doctor sit on your board and a nurse midwife sit on your board. So it won't just be a board of midwives. It'll have a doctor and a midwife, a nurse midwife um, sit on the board to oversee everything. And then also, even though, you know, traditional midwifery, it's normal to have like midwives attend VBAC births and midwives attend breach and twin births, that's been normal for forever. Um, we're going to restrict those because we're not really sure if that we're all comfortable sitting in the space of these midwives outside of the hospital attending that type of birth. So 30, 40 years ago, 
that was the concession. We got our licensure, but we had these restrictions put on our trade. So a midwife that was in Texas and maybe had all of her training in Texas or Oregon or Washington, if she wanted to move to Alaska to practice, she was practicing under those Alaska restrictions. She had to practice the way Alaska rules were written. So with these updates, what we have done, because we're going to the national standard, is open up the national standards. So we are now, as, as um, beneficial as that all will be, you know, big picture, we will be practicing just as our sister midwives in other states that are licensed and overseen by their professional bodies. Become a postpartum university professional. Our evidence-based trainings, guides, downloads, tools, and community membership is now open for applications. Join us as we learn, connect, and implement better care practices for ourselves and for our clients we serve. You can learn more at postpartumu.com slash membership. This is incredible because this is this is in effect right now. You you've made the changes. So, sort of. So, the board is able to do two different changes. They can change regulation and that's just with their work within the board. And what they were able to do with our regulations was open up our VBAC, okay? Because that wasn't in statutes. In statutes, that has to go through the legislature and be voted on because it's part of our law. And so in order to update two full national standards, which is what we're, why we're going to Juno, why we're talking to legislators and educating everyone is to update our statutes to really go into the national standard. And that has not happened yet, but regulations did change. Regulations changed on February 22nd. So we now can attend home birth feedback. And there's more to that. It's not just home birth VVAC. What else were you able to accomplish that's now in effect? So almost in effect, whenever the statutes come into effect, we will be able to um, see women preconception. So give preconception counseling, do preconception labs, um, recommend supplements based on what moms need. Uh, we can also do 12 months of postpartum, which is a huge deal. That That is amazing. Because as of now, a mom can get six weeks of postpartum care with her midwife. And we try to jam pack as much as support as we can in that six weeks. But as everyone knows, your postpartum period is so much more than six weeks after your baby is born. You still need emotional support, nutritional support. You still need um, pelvic floor support, like all of mastitis, like mastitis will come up in those first months of preg- uh, postpartum. So it's huge to be able to reach out to your same midwife and actually have an appointment with her and not just to like, if you were me, this is what I would do, or you should go to the doctor or, you know, whatever. We can actually care for our moms. And they are still seeking care from us, but we can't legally provide those visits after six weeks. And this is what has me in tears. Like literally every single time this comes up, I think I was messaging you like, Mary, is this real? Is does yeah. this, does this really happen? And I was in mm-hmm. tears. And even I was like, I got to get you on the podcast. I'm literally typing it and crying. Like, and I thought I was over it, but no, I'm, I'm in tears again. 
just hearing that because the, the, the significance of that, it's so profound, the level of care and support that we can now have. And I think that really in reality, this is, this is kind of setting a standard. Yes, we're going to these national standards, but I don't know of very many places in the United States right now who's providing that level of care to be right. able to do that, you know, for 12 months is just, it's crazy to me to think that that wasn't a thing in the first place, but here we are and yeah. how amazing. And I kind of, I just wish I could see your face when you have learned that that was indeed happening. Like, how did you react to this new? So experience? I've been working pretty closely with the board um, in like how how they were uh, framing this legislative change, how they were update what in fact they were updating to, and the board was kind of gradually telling me all the things that they wanted to put into this legislative change, and I that was the big one for me was being able to keep caring for my mom's the whole year of postpartum. I know so many people are really afraid to go here. Mm -hmm. I've been witnessing in the last couple of years, some really big organizations that are training providers, particularly in the doula world, that advocating for clients is not actually within their scope of practice or that it could cause harm and that it's not something to to do because you'll be disruptive. And I think that's completely Mm -hmm. unfair. And, and there is also this other level of advocating, not just in the birth room or not, you know, just in the postpartum period. And that comes in right here with what you've done. And I hear often all the time, well, I can't do that. I don't even like politics or I don't know how the system works. And I, you know, I, I just don't, I can't make change at this level. So there's this huge conundrum that right. we're experiencing in the birth and postpartum worlds regarding advocating. And, and so I have to ask, did you have experience coming into this with government, with being involved in policy or legislation? No. So I was definitely not experienced in any way. I've never ran for office. Um, probably the closest thing to any of this was my time in 4-H as a teenager. And I did serve as the president of the 4-H club. That was Oh, and I was in the FFA, Future Farmers of America, um, back in Missouri when I was in high school. I love it. It's so Alaskan. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, otherwise I have had zero political experience. I have attended some political um, town halls and events like that, but in just my local community. But um, no, I am now doing my best to be friends with all the politicians and their staff members and everybody um, just because I have an agenda that I am trying to put forward. So that has been interesting to just like, hey, can I be your friend? (laughs) Um, But I want to get my stuff done and make friends along the way, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you you were definitely not alone in this process. Right, right. So the um, the board right now consists of two direct entry midwives and a public member and a nurse midwife. There's no doctor on our board. There hasn't been a doctor on our board for about a year and a half. They, um, they left the board position when they realized that the statutes were going to update it. And one of the updates is that we will no longer need a doctor and a nurse midwife on the board. So they were like, okay, well, I'm 
I don't need to sit in this role and um, kind of waste my time because, you know, doctors are busy and time is money. And um, it's a big deal to sit on a voluntary position that you don't really have a dog in the fight for. Um, so she has, she left and there has not been another uh, doctor that's been appointed to our board. So right now our board is operating at four fifths capacity. The board members that have been actively working on this legislation, I would say uh, is uh, Rachel Pugh, who kind of was the author of everything. And she's the one that really has put forth all the time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears. She's um, who consulted with dozens of people across America. Ida Darrow, who is the um, the NARM person. Um, so NARM is our licensing um, exam, uh, North American Registry of Midwives. And if you become a midwife, you have to take the NARM exam. So it's kind of like our national test that makes sure that you're a well-qualified midwife. Um, and she had quite a bit of influence on, you know, directing what other states have done and are doing, and also how we can tailor this for the national conversation. And with the work, I mean, I just heard Rachel talking about this the other day. She said um, that one of the things that Ida said was, we can use this as a template for other states because it's a really good change. It's a good update. We're going to have this conversation and we're going to bring Rachel into the picture and we're going to look at all of these things and share them here on the podcast, as well as in a specific training within our professional membership, uh, and hopefully be able to possibly maybe include some of those documents too as templates so that everybody could have access to those and make these changes. I am so, so grateful for you, Mary. And I hope you see the incredible changes that you are bringing to women everywhere. Like I can't even hold back the tears again. Um, Truly, truly thank you for your work. I can't even get the words out about how incredible you are. Just know that you were so dang important. Uh, and, And I know that the generations, like I I strongly feel the generations are going to be looking back and they're going to be like back in that, that ancient time, (laughs) there was this woman named Mary. Oh yes. (laughs) Once again, another Mary. And here's what she did in the state. of. I just think it's, it's fabulous. So thank you so much. And we are going to continue this conversation in another episode. So stay tuned. I am so grateful you turned into the Postpartum University podcast. We hoped you enjoyed this episode enough to leave us a quick review. And more importantly, I hope more than ever that you take what you've learned here, applied it to your own life and consider joining us in the Postpartum University membership. It's a private space where mothers and providers learn the real truth and the real tools needed to heal in the years postpartum. You can learn more at www.postpartumu.com. We'll see you next week.